This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. To learn more and to get your first audiobook for free, please visit audible.com slash supertrain. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? <clears throat> Whoa. Mm. Oh. Well. Blech. Complicated. Uh, really? It's going complicated. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. I am online shopping. Ah! Really? Mm-hmm. Well, how exciting! Yeah, I'm doing some <laughs> online doing some online shopping. Well, what are you getting? Let's see what I'm getting. Let's paper? see. Um, you know what? We're good for right now. Okay. Um, right, I good. ordered a um, a dingus for our plant mm-hmm. that will tell us if it wants water or needs different light. Will it tell you that via your phone? Does it have an app? Mm, I don't think so. I got the cheap model. Can you uh, can you connect it to your Nest so that it? Again, I don't have a Nest, but oh, if right, I did, sorry. I probably could. You mm, know, I... this is a wonderful time. I, I, and I uh, I got a clock. <gasps> Now really? I'm gonna. This is a pilot project. I'm gonna try because, as you know, we uh, we can't have the kind of clock I would like where I would like it. I'm not gonna get into that. But right, I did find a very cool looking clock. It's an analog clock, meaning it's got hands, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got the radio signal, so it sets itself. Oh, it's a, it's a uh, is it a, is it atomic? Is it an atomic dust? It's an atomic. Uh, it's an atomic. Technically, an outdoor clock, so you can it put a, it in the bathtub. Uh, is it an atomic punk? Atomic punk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Atomic. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a Van Halen song. Boing. <laughs> and, and it's got uh, it's got temperature and humidity, also analog on it. It's got a little little hands, like like our president, and, uh, or like a t- Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Very much like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> and and in so doing, and I want to hear about your complication. I'm just giving you some time to think about it. Um, uh-huh. I I know you love this phenomenon. I've discussed this with some friends on another show recently. I love the thing when you go to Amazon. And you, uh, it, it has the section <laughs> kind of near the top of the page. It's got a section called "Frequently Bought Together." Oh yes, where you know it, it lets you know you know if people who bought this thing also also bought these. Uh, oh, they sure did. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. in this case, uh-huh. it suggests that people like to buy three clocks. So. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> three three different clocks. Three 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 different clocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is this is a, a funny phenomenon to me. Um, yeah. Is that sometimes when you want to want to get a clock, it says you know people who bought this clock also bought these other two clocks. Yes, they did. And I think you know maybe it's time to tune the algorithm a little bit when that happens. Yeah, I, I see that too a lot where where you uh, where the frequently bought things frequently bought together could not uh, no one ever would have bought those things together. Right. I mean, it seems like something you would catch, like where you go like. People who bought this washer dryer set also bought these other two washer dryer sets. It's like, <laughs> no, I I see I see why you think that, but mm-hmm. that's I don't think that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Honey, honey, I'm gonna buy three of these and we'll just send back the ones we don't like. No, so their their algorithm must be saying people were shopping for these three things. Yeah. I I I have noticed a lot of emails now from companies that I have gone to look at something. And oh, then yeah, right. They're very panicky about it. And like, it looks like you left something in your cart. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You know, if you don't get that, uh, you won't have it. You said you were interested in this hard drive. But someone, is everything okay? Is it me? Do we need to talk? Yeah. Yeah. A lot very, of, very needy. Uh, very needy. 
very needy and and I and I feel you know I was I so I'm I'm in a I'm in a situation now where every part of every part of my uh, existence both in California and here in Seattle is starting to be governed by uh, looking at real estate. What? Everybody's looking at real estate oh, now. All right. Real estate, real estate, real estate. Okay. And and I've long lived in a culture where I would uh, periodically go on Zillow and kind of search around the the area, see what's up, see what's going on. Yeah. See some houses that are for sale, what the what the what the going rate is. I have a good friend, my uh my good friend Chadwick. That's not really his name, but hmm. um, That sounds like a made up name. Chadwick, yeah. That sounds like the name of an AI. Chadwick. Chadwick. <laughs> oh, Chadwick. Chadwick plays cinnamon by the long winters. Down, 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 Chatterson, mm-hmm. uh, he here in Seattle, he likes to go look at property and periodically he'll buy a house. He'll just fucking go up straight up and buy a house. Uh, he owns like four houses now. Why do people get money for these things? Well, it's you know you gotta be you gotta be savvy. He buys these houses that are that are that he can t- because he looks at them all the time. He's like this house is underpriced for the value, but he also has a strong aesthetic, right? So he doesn't buy houses that he doesn't like. He's never bought a house where he wa- he didn't have a personal That's affection. That's smart. For- it's like they tell you buy if you're a person who buys stock. They say buy stock in products that you uh, believe in, use, and enjoy. Exactly. Don't buy don't buy stock in things that you think are terrible. So I think it's not... what Warren Buffett says that. I think. Oh boy, I bet he does. Mm-hmm. I bet Warren Buffett says the shit out of that. Warren Buffett says you should buy things when they're not costly and then sell them when they're more costly. Stop the presses. Yeah, I think he's got a whole book about it. Shizzle. Shiz- <laughs> shit, dog. Shiz nasty. <laughs> this is what I've been doing wrong. I haven't been savvy. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, so so Chatterson, Chad, uh, Chatterson, Chad Wickmanson, he Chad Wickmanson, he well, the thing he likes to do is get in his truck and drive around and look at stuff. That's mm-hmm. like number one thing he likes to do, and the things he likes to look at are uh, properties. And it's not just that he's scoping them to buy them; he just likes to look at other people's properties too. You know, he's just looking all the time. That's one of the things he likes to look at. Hmm. I admire it, frankly. He's like a real estate stalker. Well, or just like, yeah, he just wants to see other people's compounds. He wants to see what's going on. Okay, I see. He's a land you know, enthusiast. Yeah, there's no... I. He astonishes me because there's no road in all of King County that I I, I would doubt for a second that Chad has been up. You know, hmm. he'll... You drive somewhere way out in the country with him, and you're like, oh, what's up that road? And he goes, ah, oh, there's a little... And you're like, you've been up that road? Yeah, he has. But so... He, uh, he periodically, as he's driving around, he'll see a house. He'll be like, I like that house. And he's not a rich guy, but he's just savvy enough that he knows how to put together a down payment. And he knows how to figure out the, this and that. Wow. And he puts it and he's, you know, he's handy enough that he can kind of get the house in shape. It's not like he, it's not like he puts a new roof on it, mm-hmm. but, you know, he goes in there and he fixes it up and sp- coat of paint on it but but because he likes it that work doesn't seem it's not so onerous it's not like he's he's going around flipping like garbage houses mm-hmm. and he's just now he's this he's this guy my age who's got this strange little portfolio of four cute little shingled bungalows around the city and you go what the what what have i been doing with my life yeah i could see that you know i'm sitting around i've got like 14 guitars what the hell do they do hmm I mean, they, I like them, but yeah, 
They don't generate any I don't think you. Length. I don't think you want to pull a thread on that sweater too hard. Mm. You know, that's that. a lot of what you do, right? <clears throat> it was. Yeah. Anyway, I was at an open house the other day, and uh, it was one of those open houses. I don't know how many open houses you go to, but there are some open houses where the realtor has really dressed the place up. Oh, there's a, they call it staging. Oh, they staged they staged it. And you, bake, uh, you bake chocolate chip cookies, so it smells like cookies. Mm-hmm. What house wouldn't you... If you made... In the morning, you make cookies, and then right before you open the house up, you make fried chicken. Oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah, and then everybody's like, ah, whatever it costs. They might bring in like a fried chicken candle. <laughs> you ah! know, just just because of the mess. <laughs> it would be funny. You know, we all we all suffer from this thing where like we like to solve the problem that we understand. Mm-hmm. It'd be funny if like you were a real estate agent that wasn't very good, but you like to cook. <laughs> and your open houses just turned the place upside down. It was like Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell me more about the guest bath? Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I'm yeah. cutting up some time. Yeah. yeah, you're there with your apron on, yeah. wiping your, your sweated brow. John Roderick, I've been to, uh, back in the day, I went to a lot of open houses because my mother uh, was a real estate agent. Oh, of course. And so I did, this Don't is in the, pre, the pre-staging days. Now, my understanding is today, if you're doing this, I want to get back to your story and your complication. My understanding is you can have services that will come in. They'll, they'll even bring in furniture, Correct. but it needs to look like a place that somebody would want to live you get right. some you get some throw pillows right Correct. you get Correct. some get some fried chicken you could have a you know you might have a make it look like a child who's happy lives there yes this is all true uh with the caveat that apparently and i and we've been over this many times and I, it still astonishes me because i meet a lot of nice people hmm. you know you know what i mean yes like i got into a uh, i got into a cab this morning because my truck blew up hmm. that's complicated uh, is that part it, of the complication Oh well, it's just one of many complications, Merlin. Every mm. every damn day, you know. Ugh. Am I right? Yeah, you are right. So I get into the cab and uh, the, and I start talking to the driver as you do. And uh, he's from Senegal. And I said, "What time did you start this morning?" He said, "4 a.m." I said, "4 a.m. That's early." And he said, "Yeah, but I have to get you know I live in Everett, which is a completely different town from here, mm. to, and a and a fairly long drive." And an unpleasant one. And uh, he said, yeah, I got to get back to the house by noon because my wife starts working at her job at one. And I have to care for our five-month-old. Oh, my God. And then she gets off work at 11. And then I get the four hours of sleep between 11 and four. And then I start the Uber or the cab driving. Talk about complicated. And I said, you know, not to get all up in your business, but that seems unsustainable. And he said, ugh, it really is. And I said, well, what's your, what's, your, what's your long-term plan here? You can't keep doing this. You can't live like this. And he said, uh, I think I'm going to go back to Senegal. You know, wow. I was a civil engineer in Senegal. And, uh, and I just, you know, I got no, my folks aren't here. I got no support network. And frankly, babies are boring. I don't want to sit around with a baby all day. And I was like, you are talking my language now. Yeah. Babies are boring. That's candid. And we're driving along and ba ba da ba da, you know, hip ba dip ba derp. And uh and I'm like, I like this guy. Like there's no um the number of people I meet in a typical day, which is, you know, between five and fifty, for the most part I like them all. They're yeah. all, you know. So this guy and I normally in a situation like that, I it, in a conversation like that where somebody tells me, because this happens to me all the time, I'm going back to Senegal. 
And I'm like, really? You're going back to Senegal? Because I, you know, I, I, I believe in America. Yes. And I, I believe in, I believe in <laughs> you America. Raised, you raised your daughter. That's right. I believe in America as a place where someone from Senegal can come and with a little hard work and ingenuity and American stick to it can plan a flag here. And then look what happens. Suspended you know, a sentence. Suspended a sentence. <laughs> you believe in America? I do. And so typically in a situation like that, I am always, I immediately go, and this is, you know, this is why, um, this is why I, I, a lot of cab drivers will take me home for dinner with their family because we get into a conversation and they're mm-hmm. like, listen, I don't want to drop you off. Will you, will you come back and talk to my wife and tell her about this America that you keep telling me about? Yes. Um, and, and so I would always, I'd, I'd always be like, well, hey, you know, like, let's strategize for a second here before this cab ride is over and see like what we can do to, 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 to make your life more sustainable and, and, and get you to double down on what America. I, what do I need to do to put you in this country today? Yeah. How do I, how do I get you into the driver's seat of an America today? Mm-hmm. But uh, talking to him and listening to him, I was like, hmm, I see where you're at. I see where you're coming from. And he said, and I, and I you know, I made a little uh, reference to the... Uh, yeah, the whole thing. The current situation. He was like, you know, my wife was born here. She's Senegalese, but she was born here. I'm a U.S. citizen. Like I'm uh, none of this uh, hullabaloo that's happening really affects me at all. Mm. It's just, and also I'm from Senegal. I'm not from uh, mm-hmm. you know some other random country that like has, a bad country like Syria. Uh, yeah, I'm not from a bad country. Yeah, uh, but he said I just you know I uh, I'm working all the time, and he said that's what I'm here. You know, like and and we're having we're having one of those conversations where there's a lot of like yeah mm-hmm. yeah because he's like I'm a man, and I'm like yeah. And he said, I'm, yeah, I should be at work. I should be doing hard work. And I was like, hell yeah. And he mm-hmm. said, I'm an engineer, a civil engineer. Yes, goddamn yes. And uh, and so he's, you know, he's like, I don't want to sit around with the baby. If I go back to Senegal, I got my family. I got everybody there. And I was like, listen, you know, I, I just met you. But it seems to me going back to Senegal is not the worst plan you ever had. Mm-hmm. And uh, And he's like, yeah, you know, I mean... It's nice here. I've been here 10 years. And I said, what, what about France? Don't do the Senegalese and France have a, like a reciprocal? You guys are like friend countries or Senegal was, I mean, I guess when you talk about a post-colonial relationship, I guess you don't say it's friend pro- country. It's pro- probably complicated. <laughs> it's a little complicated. Yeah. It's not exactly like, it's not like friend cities or whatever. Uh, it's not like swapping t-shirts in eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, oh, I mean, I, I happen to know that in Senegal, like in Morocco, like in some countries uh, with a former colonial relationship with France, that the language of business there is French. Mm. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going to do, if you're going to go down to a government office, you're going to be speaking French. I said, wouldn't you? What about Paris? What about Paris? What about uh, what about uh, French? Mm-hmm. Would you go to French? And uh, he did. The what I have come to find is the typical uh, African answer to that question, which is no. <laughs> I no, I do not want to go to France. And I was like, mm-hmm. tip of the hat, mm-hmm. tip of the hat to you. It sounds like Senegal may be in your future again. He seems very focused. He sounds, it sounds like he knows what he wants in life. Well, this is the thing, you know. This is the American dream. This is why I'm always when I meet somebody like that, I'm like, double down on America. Come on, like you're the, you are the exact the the whole fact that you're here and not in Senegal is what makes you like the type of American that. Um, you know, that makes America great. Um, once, once in future. Yeah. 
but uh, but yeah, in this, in this, but you hate to lose, you hate to lose a fella, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's but like I we, we were able to, at some point we had the rep, we were able to close the deal with the Senegalese man, and you hate the idea that for whatever reason it's not working out. You'd like to think, hey, we can save this relationship. That's right. That's exactly right. And I'm like, listen, you're living in Everett. You're driving a cab from five or four o'clock in the morning every day. You got a five month old baby. I know that babies are boring. Mm-hmm. Don't want to be there. When I had a baby. I had a I had my mom there and he was like, ah, see, and I was like, I know, right? <laughs> you get your mom there and you're like, hey, this baby's boring. I'm going to go wash the car. How long was this ride? Well, you know, I mean, we get a lot done in a in a cab ride because I'm not somebody that I don't sit in the back of a cab and look at my phone. No, I got, no. you know, you get a chance to talk to somebody. This is the this is the reason that people don't believe that I'm an introvert is that if I get in the back of a cab, this is the reason. Yeah, if I if I get into the back of a cab and I've got someone, you know, who's basically trapped there with me, uh, and they have a story they can tell me about themselves, it's the perfect it's the perfect climate, right? Because this cab ride is going to last fifteen to twenty minutes, and so there's nothing. We're never going to get into a situation where I they're never. Unless they're a crazy person, they're not going to start talking to me about what they're feeling about a flat tax is. Well, you know, there's an end to it. Yeah. You know, it's got, it's got a finite, it's got a beginning, it's got an end. That's a nice feeling. And I know how to interview a guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know how to say, where are you from? And then not drop the ball, because I know where places are. Mm-hmm. So he says, Senegal, and I go, oh, you ever go to Burkina Faso? And he's like, I went to college there. And then, you know, we're off to the races. And then I learn something. I learn learn about a guy. I learn about his problem. I learn about his his five month old, his wife. So there's the thing. Mm-hmm. His wife was home with the baby, and he was working two jobs before. And he was like, "That was fine. I like working two jobs." But then after the baby's a few months old, my wife comes to me and says. I can't stand this. I'm going crazy. I want to go back to work. This baby's driving me crazy. And this baby's not a bad baby. This Mm-mm. is just a normal but babies, babies baby. are boring. Babies are crazy making if you have to just sit there and stare at it all day. You can't even go wash the car. Oh, I got a lot to say about this. And so... You know, there's a lot of pressure on women to not even show a crack. Mm. Right, you're sp- they're supposed to take care of all this stuff. I don't want to get to make this political by mm. acting like I care about women, Mm-mm. but like it is, it is pretty crazy that like they're expected to take care of all of that to not be bored and to not be frustrated that they can't just have a glass of wine like a person anymore. Yeah, and that whole business of that whole business gets put on them of like, well, you're a woman. This is what you're made to do. You you love you this. love this. You love this. The little baby. So his wife obviously is a like a get get going kind of gal, and she's like, I I can't stand stay home all day staring at this baby. I'm going to go back to work at my job. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm... Now the baby's on the other foot. I guess I'm working from 4 a.m. to noon, and then I'm sitting here staring at this baby, too. That's that's the game. Yep. So... Yeah, by the time I got out of the car, I think we had agreed that it was at least a good tentative plan to go back to Senegal for a year or two. And my sense is that if he goes back to Senegal for a year or two, he's mm-hmm. going to want to stay. His wife, f- unclear. Unclear whether she can... He, I think he'll go back there and he'll feel like he's, he's, he, he can find a valid existence for himself. I'm not sure how she's going to feel about it. Did you get a sense of the country of origin 
of the boring baby. Was the baby born in the U.S.? Yes. Now, that's an interesting wrinkle right there. Yes, but so was his wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, so, she's, Samar- she's American? Well, but she's Senegalese, but she was born in America. Interesting. How did they meet? Well, she was born in America, but then they went back to... Uh, her family went back to Senegal when she was a little kid. So she grew up in Senegal. Huh. But, uh, so, and that's where they met, but she had the option of going back to America for college, which she wanted to do, and she said, listen, I want to go to college for a couple of years in America, and he was like, I'll go with you. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward 10 long years later, and he's still here, and, he's, and he says, you know, as you do, he says, time flies, and I was like, yeah. time does fly, my friend. If there's anything that time does, it's flying. It flies and flies, mm. and flies and flies. So, uh, so, yeah, what can you say? I mean, yeah. it's a, you know, the thing about Senegal, it's nice there. It's, it's nice. nice there. It's got a beach. It's got, you know, Dakar. John, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about Senegal. I think they might make coffee, but I don't know anything about Senegal. Do you know about the Paris to Dakar uh, overland car race? I do not. So D- there's a- Dakar. Dakar. That's, that's where uh, Fabia Quistarkton is, uh, is billeted. Sure, that's where, uh, yeah, that's where Dakar Noir is made. I love the way she says, oh, is that right? I used to get Dakar Noir. (laughs) One day I had some money from uh, being a busboy, and I went to the mall in Tampa, and I bought a big-ass thing of Dakar Noir and a uh, white Miami Vice jacket. You did? Mm, Same day. Changed everything. Mm -hmm. Now, now you're telling me, because you and I are about the same age. Yeah, close enough. As we get older, we're much closer. Yeah, you've got you've got the edge on me a little bit. Sure do. But you decided at some point during that time that you were just gonna you were gonna cast your dice with the Miami Vice. I cast my dice with the Miami Vice. I did. It, you you forget that that show was was lauded for a while. Well, and you were down. You at least went to college down there. But this, I'm guessing, this happened. I didn't go to college Ohio. in Miami, but I, I watched TV. I had NBC like a, like a normal person. And, uh, you know, I was graduating to a more sophisticated scent. This is uh, pre-Ralph Lauren Polo for me, uh, but post, like, you know, Dad's Aramis. Well, what about... Or Grandpa's Calvin, High Karate. What about CK1? CK1. Did you ever fall for CK1? No. So CK1, my sense of CK1, CK1. Calvin Klein. CK1. Yeah, CK1. right, right, right. Was that CK1 was one of the first unisex fragrances. Okay, I gotta look this up. Because I, I had a girlfriend that... Is, Cal- is Calvin Klein for ladies the one that's real, like, uh, spicy? Hmm. I-, I think Calvin Klein won. Because, you know, you get, you imprint. Yeah. You imprint on certain scents. Yep. Don't you think? I'm afraid that I imprinted pretty heavily on Obsession. That's the one. That's what I meant. Calvin Klein. Yes, it's the yes. orange one. Yeah. Yes, my first college girlfriend uses used the uh, the Calvin Klein obsession, and that yeah. will always be that smell to me now. A girl that I wanted to go out with used... was it? Was it Lori Basler? It wasn't. No, Lori Basler <laughs> by that point had already died. Hmm. Uh, no, it was a girl in college that I didn't. It's not not the redheaded doctor we we don't mention. No, no, no. It's not her. No, this was all the way into college by now, but it was a girl who went to my high school who then went to the same college as me. And during high school, we had flirted a lot and hard, but we had never put it together. We had never put ourselves together. And part of it was that I was uh, 
uh, a late bloomer. And part of it was that she was a very unusual girl. Hmm. Um, like An unusual girl who, who had the Calvin Klein obsession. Yeah. Do you remember <clears throat> the character in the Breakfast Club who put 40 sugars in her pop? Is that Ali Sheedy? I'm guessing you remember. There weren't that many characters in. I figured by process of elimination, I, I could get it down to either Ali Sheedy or your uh, your uh, your paramour who never responds to your tweets. Is she still not responding to your tweets, Molly, uh, Molly Ringwald? Has, Molly Ringwald has never responded to me. Oh no, my I've, god! I've I've given it a little bit of a rest. Are you are you doing any better with uh, Jane Weedlin? No, no. In fact, I thought she came up in conversation the other day. I thought about Jane. Um, no, I kind of you know I I figured. Ultimately, I had a really good, a really good exchange, and and now kind of a, um, kind of a little bit of an internet. I can't really say friendship, um, mm. but uh, you know, an internet collision, uh, like like just internet home slices with Martha Quinn. Mm. A little bit of back and forth with Martha Quinn. Could, could have really used that in 1982. Boy, I sure could have. Mm. But but uh, in 2015, I, I had enough <sighs> enough back and forth with Martha Quinn that I felt like, you know, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Uh, but Jane Weedlin, nope. Never, yeah. I mean, maybe she replied to me one time. Molly Ringwald has never acknowledged my existence. And I was following Molly Ringwald really early. When yeah, she before, had, before it was cool. Yeah, when she had like 1,500 followers, I was like, first of all, A, I have more followers than Molly Ringwald. And B, yeah. you know what? I'm going to help her here. I'm going to help... I'm going to help her. This get is the into kind of thing you do as an American. You, yeah. you, you, you know, I think she's mostly French these days, if memory yeah. serves. So, I, so yeah, you're out there and you're saying, uh, you know, bienvenue. Uh, although she's back now, she's back in America. That whole French thing was uh, was an interlude. Oh, uh, an, on, an she, entree new. Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> that's right. She's now in. Uh, I think she's pretty much back. Uh, I bet she's in, in New York. Yeah, New York. That's my sense. I had a that's big weekend. Uh, I got retweeted by Katie Lang and uh, Nico Case. <clears throat> that's a nice. Really, feeling. that yeah. is nice. I, I went a little bit political this weekend. I didn't feel great about it. Racked up some big numbers, but I don't feel great about it. Doesn't usually happen with you. <sighs> I, uh, uh, Nico Case, uh, the word on the street, mm-hmm. pr- pretty reliable word on the street is that Nico Case doesn't like me very much. Oh, she seems like she has strong opinions, and you, en- you engender, if I could use the word, you engender strong opinions in people. Yeah, yeah, I do. You've always Thanks. been like this. It's a lot like a scent. It's a lot like a Calvin Klein obsession. Or mm. it, you can see people have very strong reactions to these mm. things. And hopefully, I, hopefully they imprint on me quite, quite often. But mm-hmm, like a Lawrence case, duck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this case, she imprinted on me in a way that she was like, I don't like that guy. Which how, is how, too bad. Now, how do they say that in Africa? Oh, uh, je ne sais quoi. Yeah. No. <laughs> spit. <coughs> Listen, so don't don't spit were... on the ground in Africa. That's not, nobody's going to like that. Also, You're not in make Turkey, any don't shake somebody's hand with your left hand. To this day, I don't like when somebody hands me their left hand. I think it's, I think it's problematic, as people say. Don't hand somebody your left. Well, don't hand unless... left hand, and especially if you're going to do that little like, uh, like, like you're like you're a French king thing, where you just kind of hold your fingers out like you want your ring kissed. But you never know Sicking. who's never know who's Bob Dold. 
Oh no, I'm open to that. If I if I see something, you know, I say something. Yeah, I, I would like to teach an online course in how to shake hands. I would like to really help these millenniums understand how important it is to know how to shake someone's hand well. But we can get back to that. So you're dating Ali Sheedy's uh, avatar. She's putting. Uh, she's got Calvin Klein obsession, and she's putting lots of sugar in her Pepsi. Well, I wasn't dating her. I was chasing were, her. Uh, sorry, let me check that. Okay, and were, she, she were, was she was chasing me. You were, I was house, chasing you were house her. hunting her, but she used so much obsession she i think it's like like ralph lauren's polo for men i think you very quickly become or 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 uh, or patchouli you become inured to yeah. how much you actually have on at a given time it's inurance is what it's a, it it's is a, it's absolutely an inurance yeah uh and that's what happened with her so much so that it was like on me but also like in my it was just in my every it was in every pore and Ugh. i couldn't shake it off it was that bad. was me and jovan musk with one girl <sighs> in eighth grade and i was stupefied by the way this woman smelled it was it, it laid me low mm-hmm. she she had worn a shirt of mine i think at one point and mm-hmm. it still smelled like that and i like i wanted to put it in like a donald trump case like mm-hmm. i was like I, I want this smell to always be here I wanted to put it into a Donald Trump case is not a reference that I got. Oh, right, you know, right like when he comes out to speak, he's got his props, like he'll have a red hat in a in a plexiglass case and things like that. I guess I I guess I didn't follow him that closely. This has been to, a really hard few months, John. Yeah, I get it. I know. And I, I think we should you know what? We should give ourselves a phony award for being so good about not talking about politics on our program. Mm, here's us here's to us. High five us. <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Audible.com. You can learn more about Audible right now by visiting audible.com slash supertrain. Hey, you guys know Audible. This is the place to go to find just all kinds of great audio content. Audible includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. And right now, Audible is offering listeners of Roderick on the Line a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. You just go to audible.com slash supertrain and browse their amazing selection of audio programs. You download a title for free and start listening. It is just that easy. This week, I want to suggest a terrific book that I think Roderick Online listeners might just love. It is the 2012 book, The Rook, written by Daniel O'Malley. I'm not going to spoil this for you, but The Rook is the riveting story of a woman who wakes up bruised in the rain and has no idea who she is. She has to piece her life together through, wait for it, Letters from Herself, dun-dun-dun. Great book, read by a wonderful English narrator lady. Funny story here. We bought The Rook uh, for our family to listen to on a long car trip a while back. And after we arrived home, get this, our daughter continued listening to it through our Amazon Echo. This is correct. You can do this. If you have Audible books, all you have to do is say something like, uh, Hey, Dingus, read me The Rook, and this totally works. Disco. So that's my idea. But remember, you get to pick your audiobook when you go to audible.com slash supertrain. Now, here's what your Audible membership gets you. You're going to get uh, one free audiobook a month. You get exclusive sales, 30% off all regularly priced audiobooks, and unlimited access to their cool new channels content. All kinds of great stuff in there. That is where I go to listen to Elliot Kalin's excellent podcast, Presidents Are People Too. You're going to get that. You can choose from audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy. Oh my gosh, so much stuff. Audio, audio, audio. They have free apps for iPhone, iPad, Android, and Windows Phone. You download and listen on any iOS device, Android, Amazon Fire, you name it. 
Unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you own your own books. You get my library to access your books anytime, anywhere, right from your smartphone. And they have their great listen guarantee. If you didn't like it, you could swap it. How about that? Nothing wrong with that. So again, please visit audible.com slash supertrain right now to start your trial and get your free audiobook today. Our thanks to audible.com for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Uh, so I was at this house opening. This uh, open housing, open housing, mm-hmm. and two interesting things happened. One, there were there was a partnership of two real estate agents, and I was trying to decide if they were a romantic partnership who were you have doing, to always wonder. Yeah, doing real estate together, or whether this was just completely a partnership. But those, I think a lot of those relationships start with a professional partnership. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon, it's a fucking key party. That's my they, guess. They were working pretty closely together. Mm. One of them was a man. My my age or a little, yeah, my age or a little older, mm-hmm. from India, mm. who was very, you know, very like suave, and he kept saying things like, you know, one of the one of the ways that we conduct our business, like one of our fundamental uh, tenets of our business relationship is that we are very low pressure, no pressure at all. So if you'll just sign into this iPad app that we have Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, and here's my business card and take, uh, also here's like my wallet. I want you to hold it for me for a while. Yes. I'll come find you later when I need it. And I was like, Hey, I'm just walking through here. I'm not gonna. I'm not looking to buy a house. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, not, not, not touching an iPad. I'm just. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> not only am I not touching an iPad, like I'm not even putting my fingerprints on the doorknobs here. Well, I'm to, just, to, to quote myself, uh, you know, when, when my daughter and I come to my office, I'm not here. I'm never here. I'm oh, not here right now. That's what right. I would say to the Indian man. I would say, with, with all due respect, I would say, I'm not here. Listen, you're not seeing me. I'm not here. I'm not holding your wallet. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But I, I'm definitely not going to touch an iPad, and I'm so not here. Yeah, so that's what was happening with him. The other guy had a sort of... The other guy. The other guy was sort of a pale, stocky, shaved head, mm. um, sort of like... He looked fraternity. like a job? He looked... Well, he wasn't like that <clears throat> stocky, but he was like a fraternity guy. Uh, um, also, uh, not quite my age, but a, you know, a little bit younger. Somebody in his late thirties, early forties. Mm-hmm. And so I, so and not, and this the second guy not really in possession of any suavity whatsoever. And I was so I was trying to put them together, and I know that like opposites attract, but this was this was very they were very far apart on the um, on the suave scale. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking. So the one, the one guy is uh, is giving me the hard sell about how he never gives somebody the hard sell. The other guy was super nice, the the fratty one, super nice, super chill. Mm-hmm. And as we're leaving, they're actually walking down the, the front steps of the house with me. I'm trying to shake him off a little bit, like, okay, well, this was great, really great to meet you. I love the way you guys like set up a house, and I'm out of here now i'm like already down the block and they're just kind of coming with me i don't know how far we're going oh no 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 i don't know whether they're getting in the car with me or not and the uh and the fratty guy says yeah well ever since i was shot in afghanistan it's always a little bit harder for me to get down these stairs and i was like so i stopped at that point and took about three steps back toward him like i wasn't leaving now 
And I was like, really? No. So that didn't read as a bit? Oh, well, I didn't care. Hmm. If you, if you, I mean, it read he's as pull, a bit. He's pulling out the Afghanistan card. He sure is. And, but if somebody's going to pull out the shot in Afghanistan card, I'm yeah. there, right? So I. You uh, draw so from I, that stack. I sure did. I got back up to where the toe, the toe of my shoe was within a shoe length of the toe of his shoe. Uh-huh. And I said, tell me about getting shot in Afghanistan. And he was like, well, it, uh, yeah, it really, um, the re- it was a long rehab. And I said, it affected your balance? Like, did you get shot in the spine? And he turns around and he said, no, the bullet went in here. And he points to behind his ear. Oh, God. And it came out here. And he points to the other side of his head. Uh, uh, in his temple. What? And I was like, uh, "What?" So he's a medical anomaly. Yeah. How and could I'm, that? How could that not? Just. And I said, "It so it uh, it went through your abnabula, yeah, gobbola, abnabula, yeah." And he said, "You know, just just missed it." And I said, "Uh." What kind of rehab was? Did you lose cognitive ability? And he said, ah, a little bit of memory issues. Uh, but I had to learn to walk again, and I'm still a little bit, you know, unstable. And he's very, you know, he if if you got a bullet all the way through you like that, ah, uh, uh, yeah, I would talk about it too. You know, I would find a way to uh, to bring that into conversation because. That's pretty, and so, and you can see the wounds oh. in his head, which have healed. Oh my god! And he's like, you know, and I grew up in this neighborhood, and I lived three blocks away, and now I'm selling real estate here. And it, and the you know the Indian guy is like, yep, and I'm uh, you know I've been a real estate agent for thirty years, so our our expertise really combines. And I said, listen, I didn't want to buy a house before, but now I do. Mm. I want to buy a house from you because. You seem like a good guy to keep around. Yeah. Like, holy cannolis. Yeah. And so then, you know, then it's like, I might as well have been in a cab with him because all I wanted to do was stand there and talk to him about this experience. Isn't the Indian, how do you think the Indian guy feels when he pulls out that story? I think he thinks it's great because mm-hmm. I was so close to signing into that iPad. Mm. If he had said, listen, if you want to keep talking to him, you got to sign into the iPad. I would have had a tough choice to make. Yeah. Uh, they didn't, you know, he didn't like, but, but he, this was the reason that I thought maybe they were in a relationship because he was, you know, he seemed kind of proud of his partner, proud of the story. Like he hadn't heard it enough times. It was, it, it, it was, oh, that's, it, that's lovely. Yeah. Every time was new again because you don't, there's no way you could contemplate that enough times. Like he, I believe by his, by his main, by his general main, that um, that this man was an officer in the uh, in what I had to assume uh, was the military, mm-hmm. and I was so focused on his injury that I did not do the normal thing, which is what branch of service were you? What rank were you? What was your job? What was your, you know, I didn't get into that because it seemed. Oh, that you make seemed, sure he's not stealing valor. Well, I knew that I, unless this was a wound that he received working on the railroad, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a hard wound to, to just like drum up, like yeah. sit, sitting in the bar, like I was a Navy SEAL. Really? Yes. Yeah, I what got, were you with? I got shot in the back of the head. Yeah. Show me your challenge coin, faker. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it seemed at that moment it seemed even small to ask what branch of the service he was in. You know, like you just, when somebody starts telling a story like that, you either got to leave the situation. If you're going to stay, you got to just get out of the way. Sure, right? Because you're not going to say it, like backtrack and say, "Okay, all right, let's set the scene." Like, where did you go to college? Which is normally how, if somebody jumps into a thing, I'm like, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, let me, let me get situated. Yeah, there's a couple of things I need to know. Where did you grow up? And how did you get where, how did you get to the beginning of this story? But I didn't care. You know, this was just a thing where the recovery from this injury, given that I knew that I, I wasn't going to spend all day here. The recovery from the injury was what was interesting about this story and how he got how you got shot in the back of the head seems like a that we'll get to that in the course of our friendship as in your capacity as my new real estate agent. Because <laughs> I'm buying a house in this neighborhood. I don't know how I don't I don't know how I'm going to find the money. I don't even want to live here. Yeah, but I just want to I want to have you over for breakfast. <laughs> Uh, so I never, I, I didn't find out enough about that story that I can, you know, that I can retell it as a, as a, like a, a like a good thing where, where I have, where I have the whole story all together, but I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go track him down because there's just, there's so real, many you're going to go, you're going to give another throw. Like, uh, you could take a meeting that feels that feels usurious to go because all he wants to do is sell a house, right? I mean, yeah. he and uh, and to go like pretend that I want to look at houses just to hear this uh, bullet through the head story because mm, yeah. I actually don't intend to buy a house there. Mm, okay, <clears throat> but in the course of life, mm-hmm. I will recognize I will recognize those two if I see them. I would recognize them each individually. And if I get into a if I get into a situation, because because it also might be interesting to sequester his partner and say, so give me a little background here. Mm-hmm. Like, at what point did you guys meet? Was he already back up on his feet? Did you know him before? Yeah, that's, you know, that's there's so, so much to this story. But that's uh, that certainly put a complication. More complications uh, in, into the. I mean, it all feels very complicated right now. Yeah, it feels very very. And you're complicated. Saying your, your truck blew up. Truck blew up. Mm. It's uh, the trucks, plural, keep blowing up, plural. And the following sentence escaped my lips yesterday. Mm-hmm. As my uh, as my dear mother uh, rolled her eyes at me for the ten thousandth time, I said, "You know what? I'm just going to sell everything. I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to buy a Subaru." Oh, and she lit up. She was like, "Great idea! I think that's a great idea." Subaru, you know, new Subaru. Mm-hmm. It'll never. It's not going to break down. It's not going to. I'm never going to get a call where you suddenly need me to something. Mm-hmm. You're just going to be. You're not going to you know, have to sleep in it overnight with a child without heat. That's right. This is. You're it's got just all kinds be, of benefits. Can it be Joe, <laughs> Mister Man? Joe, Mister Man, normal truck. Normal truck. Right. You're just. 
I drive around, you put a Namaste sticker on there. You, you know, Subaru is big with the lesbians. Are you aware of this? I did. I do know that. Mm-hmm. I, do I know heard that. a whole, I heard a podcast about this. It was very interesting. They realized that the lesbians were loving Subarus. And instead yeah. of going, eh, they were like, hmm, let's embrace this. Let's, yeah, let's sure. let, what do I need to do to put this lesbian in a Subaru? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we are now the lesbian car. But it's also my sense of them. When Subarus first came on the market in Anchorage, they were an enormously popular car because they were a four-wheel drive. It's almost like the opposite of an SUV, where like people go out and buy SUVs so they can rep that there's somebody with an SUV. Whereas yeah. the Subaru seem like something people buy because they genuinely use the features of it to like go places and camp and stuff like that. A Subaru, like a that remember that iconic blue color of a Subaru, kind of a light blue Subaru. The light blue Subaru, like came with cross-country skis. Already on it, already on a rack. <laughs> you know, like it was the car in Alaska that that you drove if you were if you coached a a, a teen cross country ski club. Whereas the Volvo was much more the NPR car. Yeah, and For, Volvo ev- was the first car I knew of with heated seats. Oh, interesting. I love heated seats. Volvo, the Volvos were always sold to us as. Um, like you could survive any accident because people in Alaska die all the time getting T-boned on icy roads. Mm-hmm. And then I had a good friend whose mom got just creamed by a massive truck. She was in her Volvo DL and just got completely just straight on T-shot mm. on, a, on a major thoroughfare where a guy in a, in a Ford Bronco didn't even see the light and just hit her going 55 miles an hour. Oh, my God. And she she had to use the other door to get out of the car was basically the injury that she received. Like, it was a car, where, it was a collision where the Bronco was wrecked and the Volvo was just a twisted hunk of metal and she just got over into the passenger seat and got out and was like, huh, well, that wasn't very fun. Like, no damage to her at all because the Volvo was some kind of miracle car. Yeah, right, right, right. They they named there was wasn't that like one of the original cars that rethought the idea of how you put the boxes together and all the right parts would crumple and if memory serves, though I was it was always explained to me as if you if you hit a Volvo head on oh, this is not physics, but like a lot of the impact is distributed in a way that it doesn't get it, to the extent possible it doesn't get to where the the cabin that you're in but also like it transfers it to like just basically make the engine drop out like it takes hmm. all the is it something like that yeah i think what it happens is it gets trans it gets transferred into solar energy mm-hmm. oh that's, that's you know what that's 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 good it's clean yeah. it's renewable yeah. it well and then it gets transferred through some kind of volvo proprietary process into a hydroponic farm and put get some drm probably yeah oh yeah, yeah absolutely right <laughs> So, but the Subaru is now the national car of Seattle, which is increasingly becoming its own nation. (laughs) And so everywhere you go, there's a Subaru that either, and they all have bumper stickers, and the most common ones are coexist with uh, each letter represented by the symbol of a different religion. Oh, I have so many problems with that from a graphic design standpoint. (laughs) Coexist. It's very troubling to me. Totally unreadable unless you've looked at a thousand of them, which every one of us has. Uh, coexist. And also, coexist, I think, has some association with Bono. 
Oh, that makes, so that, it, that makes it even worse. Yeah, so that every time I see that bumper sticker, also somehow now Bono is in my head a little bit. This is just not sort a of, rebel song. He's just peeking around the corner Hello. in the hall like, I'm also here. <laughs> my glasses are yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mean to bug you, mister. <laughs> Uh, and then the other one that goes on every Subaru, everyone that doesn't have coexist has uh, wag more, bark less. No, visualize is, world peace. Or visualize, visualize world, world peace. peace. Uh, and then there's one he just here in the Northwest, visualize Tacoma, mm. which is which dates back to that era where it was like wah wackadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's gone, right? From the culture, mostly that kind of wackadoodle is gone. Yeah. Wouldn't you say there's nobody putting out like visualized Tacoma bumper stickers or oh, keep Portland weird? Yeah, bumper we stickers? used we used to we used to have more joy. Does anybody remember laughter? <laughs> I know. Does anybody remember laughter? Did you know? I don't know if we've talked about this, but yeah, somebody asked um somebody asked Robert Plant in an interview, do you have any regrets in all the years? Uh, you know, you've done a lot of crazy things. I'm sure you've been in a jet airplane with a bunch of people that all died, uh, and you were the only one to walk off. I mean, yeah. like, like any regrets? And he was like, he said, the one thing I regret is that does anybody remember laughter? Are you kidding? No. And I was like, oh, I w- that would be what I regretted too. I know. I know. I know. Just one, like, uh, one thing you just kind of say out of nowhere, and like that's your that's your thing now. That's your thing, right? And, uh, and 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 you have to imagine that when they were mixing that and when they were putting that out, um, they said to him, you know, hey, you want to come by and check out the mix and just make sure that it all sounds good? And he probably did that thing that I often do, which is like, I'm sure it sounds fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, and then it came out, and, and uh, subsequent to that, for 35 years, people have been walking up to him and going, Does anybody remember laughter? Oh, my God. And, yeah, that's the one thing oh Robert Plant regrets. It's the one thing he could think of. Yeah. You know, I, I got feelings about Robert Plant. I think it's very sad what happened with his son. And you think about but that's the, I know I really, I genuinely feel sorry for Robert Plant. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming this morning. Mm-mm. So you're looking at Subarus. You're looking at land. No, I I definitely do not. I on one hand, I feel like a Subaru is an unimpeachable decision. Like if I went and bought a Subaru, it would be the kind of indignity that I could like. What would happen is I would fall in everyone's esteem a little. Really. If you picture this, picture this scenario. Mm-hmm. I come on our podcast, and you say, "How's it going today?" And I go, "Oh, it's pretty good. I just bought a Subaru." Hmm. Now think about the tweets I'm going to get. There's going to be a lot of Subaru owners that tweet me positively, like, "Welcome." Have you checked out the Subaru? Have you read your owner's manual yet? Oh, I see. But there are going to be a. You expect, expect to be in the Subaru community, you think? Mm, uh, or at least I'd be welcomed there. But there, I think, are a lot of listeners to our program that imagine that my next car will be some kind of anti tank vehicle. <laughs> I think it stands to reason. You know, my next car will be a three man submarine or something. <laughs> you get a de- decommissioned Hummacher Schlemmer uh, su- submarine? Yeah, and put a massage chair in it. Oh, nice. Um, and so to to reveal myself to be a, a, like a real human being 
who's like, ah, the Subaru was the best value, or like, ah, it seems, you know, I've got a kid, and it seems like a That's good That's like finding out the Wizard of Oz eats at Arby's. Yeah, precisely. I, don't, yeah. I can't, I, because it's not just people that listen to our program. Like, I've got a rep around this town. Yeah. It's part, it's part a, of your brand, John. It absolutely is. I'll show up in a Subaru at something, and people will be like, did you, did you, like, steal that recently? And I'm like, no, I bought it. And it would just, no one would, no one would stop being my friend. No one would think that I um, was any less of me. But yeah. they would. But I would fall just that three percent in their esteem. Yeah, that that three percent could be a lot of percent. It can. And so, so as soon as my mom walked away, I was like, "Heck no! I'm buying an experimental helicopter." And she <laughs> turned around and was like, "What did you say?" I was like, "Nothing." Subaru, probably. <laughs> but maybe I'll get one of those Subarus with a big like. With what, what appears to be like a blower on the front. I know it's not a blower, but it's some kind of turbocharger. It's like a hypercharger. Mm-hmm. They have a lot. There are Subarus with a lot of warts on them because they're used in rally drifting, mm. drift rallies. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's just that sort of that's that bolt on accessorizing that again I could I I just I can't I can't quite stand up. With pride, with a Subaru patch on my jacket, and say like, "Yeah, I, I bolted on some extra." Well, John, I don't, I don't think you're. Also, you should check your text. I sent you something. Um, no. I, I don't think uh, you are a watcher of the TV show Project Runway. But I'm going to tell you something I learned from Project Runway, which is there's a weekly challenge, okay, and you have to really listen to what the spirit of the challenge is. Because here's what they don't want you to do: no matter what the challenge is, what they don't want you to do is take some Muslim, make a basic tank dress, and then put a bunch of shit on it. Don't right? fucking make a basic tank dress out of muslin mm-hmm. and put just... Did I say muslin? I meant muslin. <laughs> and then dress it up with a bunch of don't, uh, geegaws. Don't, yeah, don't, uh, don't sparkle tron it. Don't, uh, don't, uh, what's a, what are they going to bejewel it? Like, yeah, no, you have to go, your design is the design. Like, make a thing. Don't make a thing and then just put a bunch of fucking candy on it. Like, that's not a, that's not a design. And I, I feel like there's something similar going on here. John is not going to be a guy who goes and buys a stock Subaru and then, uh, bedazzles it no war is not the answer peace also takes courage i'm from the elizabeth warren wing of the democratic party (laughs) so what i'm saying it's time to use our outside voices it really is well-behaved women seldom make history they sure do they sure don't Mm -hmm. save our bees save our bees john (laughs) uh wild women don't get the blues merlin that's right I've mm. known a lot of wild women, and I've known a lot of women with the blues, and the, those Venn diagrams do not overlap. <laughs> you show me. You show me a and woman my, with the blues, and she will not be wild. And conversely, right. when I meet a wild woman, I know she does not have the blues. I'm snapping right. three times. Like and in my dating life, it yeah. was always one from column A, then one from column B. So the photo that I sent you of this car that is frequently near our house parked in this handicap space now. Oh, this is a photo that you took. This isn't a thing from the internet. No, this is by my house. Uh-huh. Um, um, and uh, now, now, first of all, see, I have real mixed feelings about this because, first of all, this person is there a lot. This is at a police station. Oh, oh, the person is there. This car is there a lot, and it always makes me laugh every time I walk by it. It's covered in that way that only hippies with no taste can do. Has slapped bumper stickers onto the painted part of this car and this, on top of one another. Ugh, and it's really, it's. I, I realize it's supposed to be maybe a little bit uh, what situationist punk rock to, to do it this way, but they did mostly bother to try and get them horizontally aligned. 
mm-hmm. right? It isn't, it isn't totally crazy. It isn't like covering your laptop with band stickers in like a haphazard way. Like there's, it started out with a little bit of like, uh, and then also notice, for example, okay, so I want to get one thing out of the way. They are parked in a handicapped space. They do have, <laughs> they do have a hang tag, but I also want to stipulate for the record that San Francisco has a redonkulously high rate of abuse. Of fake, fake hang tags. Because guess what you get to do when you get a hang tag? You don't have to pay parking meters. Yeah, oh, that's so right. So you walk down Terraval Street, buddy. You can you're do whatever see, the heck you want. Oh, it's just solid, solid. Any, it's just it, anyway. I'll I'll find an article to send you. <laughs> There's did, tons did they of get a hang, a hang tag because they also had a like a fake comfort horse? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm coming around on that. But I also want to point out some of these. They have bubbles, like where they didn't really put much care into putting mm-hmm. it on here. But corporations then, are not people. Corporations are not money out, Bernie in. Bernie in. But also, look at that back fender, buddy. Save our bees. Like, don't don't just look at the design of the stickers. Notice how many dents and dings and scuffs. This person oh. is hitting a lot of cars. Oh, they are. Do you see and what I'm saying? A, it's, a, it's a hybrid car. Yeah. But it's so a, it does it in a fundamentally uh, sound way. But yeah, notice it's a the, Civic. Look, it's a, like a it's Civic the, hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But notice, like on that top level, like across the word advocate. Yeah. Do you see how torn up that sticker is? That's because they just keep hitting things <laughs> with the car. Yeah. yeah, we are Citizens United. The, my, I love the little yellow one, which seems very new. Which is the system isn't broken. It's fixed. It's fixed. Yeah. Str- what is that? Strong? Oh, get money, getting money out of politics. What sharp, is that first? Strong, sharp money out strong, of stomp, strong, strong money out stomp, of politics. Stomp, stomp money. Climate voter. My voice, my values, my vote. But the the system isn't broken. Thing which is new is slapped over the top of the save the Arctic anti shell and, yeah. and the the shell which is symbol. itself on top of save our bees. Yes, but the shell symbol is half shell oil symbol with a devil horn. Half polar bear face, half cartoon polar bear face. That's, there's so much confused messaging on here. And then when you you're, when you zoom in that far to look at that, then you see how damaged that bumper is. Like oh, the, it's super damaged. The bumper is trashed. This person, this person, is my it, isn't, it isn't like they had one oopsie no. while they were like parallel parking. No, this is a serial car hitter. And they seem like an awful person. Even also, though the ta- also, the tag was expired. <laughs> Was it really? Well, they don't. They don't need that because they have a handicap. No, they're handicapped. They're handicapped. Yeah, I feel like those are the people that yell at me on the internet a lot, and they're people that ostensibly I people share with politics tabs. with. People who have like really a a very bad bumper sticker aesthetic. Oh, okay. I'm really glad you went in that direction. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I totally agree. I told this is aesthetically. Uh, and you know, if this was on the back of like a minibus, I don't want—I don't want to sound. Uh, I don't—I don't want to be. Uh, that's, that's racist against Volkswagen. I don't want to be anythingist, but um, but you know, on this particular like late model, and l- l- John, I mean, how old is this car? Maybe mm. three, four years old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at this. It's a new car, newish car. And they've just been banging the shit out of other cars. It's mostly on that left side. And the thing is, I just just so that I'm not going to put this up because I don't want to shame this person. But yeah. the uh, but the, there are the the fender is. What would you call the fender? The bumper. The bumper is scuffed everywhere. It is broken in parts, and they've shredded their own stickers from hitting things so often with this car. (laughs) This car may be the last thing you ever see. It reminds me exactly of my old guitar case, which I 
you know, I constantly slapped other band stickers and stuff. You know, you're out there in the world and you play with a band and they're yeah. like, here's our sticker and you slap it on your guitar case and it's a way of, you do it right in front of them. So you're like, yeah, I love playing this show with you. And then you, uh, you put your Fiverr sticker on your, on your guitar. Yep. But the way that the sticker or the way that the guitars fit into the van required that Eric Corson, our chief. Boy, he uh, was, he wasn't he, he was gifted at that, wasn't he? Yeah. He was chief jigsaw operator. He always my guitar was always the last thing to go in the in the truck and it, and as a consequence it got crammed in uh to a space that was just slightly too small for it. And so the stickers on my guitar case were both compressed into the case and also like ground kind of shredded and oh, as time man. went on i just put more stickers on top of the shredded stickers and it's just it's it, it's just chaos looking uh and it looks kind of like the back bumper of that garbage car mm. <laughs> is this your rickenbacker yeah the rickenbacker mm, boy i love that guitar yeah yeah the i case. still i still oh, i get such a feeling when i see a rickenbacker mm. <laughs> it gives you that Rickenbacker feeling. I had one. I told you this. I had one. I had to sell it for rent. Yeah, that's the I had worst. a 12 string. Oh, it's the worst. You don't want to have to sell things for rent, but that's uh, college, man. That's what you do. It's a deal. Yeah, it's, it's everything. It's complicated to be you're honest. Not, it's not, you're not always able to go back to Senegal. Sometimes you have to plant your feet and say, yeah. I'm selling my guitar. Don't go back to Rockville. Hmm. So waste another year. That is a great. You know, if you need a campfire song, buddy, like if you're at a spaghetti party in Romania, campfire spaghetti party, that's a good one to pull out. Don't go back to Rockville. I. So Peter Buck, Peter Buck famously said, you know, every time I play, and I, I don't remember whether he said this in an interview or whether he's, I think he actually said this to me. Yeah. He's always I, saying things to me. I, well, you know, we were somewhere and yeah. I said, P- Peter is very literal hmm. uh, uh, person. Really? You know, he, yeah. He's That's interesting. Not, um, in, in my experience, so I, I know a few people in REM. Yes. Let's say everybody except for the singer. The, uh, no, I have, uh, know him well enough that that um, I mean he doesn't waltz up and say John, but you know he has he has said John to me. Oh, so he he, ha- he has known your name at some point. Yes, that's nice. The only one of everyone in the band that was an original member and even some of the later members that is at all what you would call figurative is Mills. Hmm. Ken Stringfellow's literal. No, Ken is extremely figurative, but he's a late addition. I'm sorry, sorry, I take your point. And he's not in the band anymore. Was Scott McCoy kind of in R.E.M. at some point? He's uh, he's been in R.E.M. for years and he is still in the band and scott is scott is also figurative um but like uh, michael and uh, and peter both seem very pretty literal hmm. i mean even even given this is very surprising to me even given stipes like i think one of the one of the things about his original lyrics was that they were so figurative as to be meaningless and as he got as his lyrics got more and more mixed forward and he felt more and more empowered to make them make sense, we saw that they that the literality of them 
was a little bit of a problem, right? Like hmm. I needed to chew my leg off the uh, type of type of lyrics. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not as not as much. But anyway, Peter said but now I'm thinking he absolutely said this. You think he literally had his spine and his orange crush? Well, I mean, that's... That's the question. He's got my... I've got my spine. I've got my orange crush. Mm -hmm. I don't think he says I've got my spine in my orange crush. Okay. And I think he does have his spine, and he does have his orange crush. Okay. This is the thing, right? You can't... Like, oh, does that mean something? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he's just saying some things that he has. Oh, you figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Peter said every for for years and years and 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 still to this day, there's always a group of dudes standing right in front of me, watching me play guitar, trying to figure out the secret. And he said, "Here's the secret: D G E C F." Yeah. And he's like, every time I get on stage, I'm like, "Sorry, group of dudes." Who think that there's a secret? It's just these chords played into a guitar that's plugged straight into the amp, and maybe there's a tube screamer. And it's true, right? When you really watch what he does, I mean, he's got that fast picking. Yeah, thing. he's an arpeggiator. He's an arpeggiator, but that's all it is. That's the whole trick: arpeggiations. Pete Buck's like Pixar. I think one of the ways that I admire a lot about Pixar. One of the things that I love about Pixar is that. In addition to having kind of the most baller technology at any given time with animation, they were also canny about always, this is a truism that I'm, I'm not creating this, this is just a truism. They were True. always really good at saying, well, like we can't really make people look anything but creepy, so let's make toys. Like we can do the surfaces of toys. And all mm. along the way, like, you know, uh, we can do hair and water now. And there's all these things where like at, the stories changed as they were able to do more things. And you... Even then, though, you didn't watch the movie and go, oh, I get it. Now they can do hair. So they do right. Monster Zinc. And I feel that way a little bit about Pete Buck, where he's he's very forthcoming about saying, like, hey, I, I barely, I was working in a record store. Like, I barely knew how to play anything on a guitar in the early days. Yep. And I always liked the fact that, like, he kind of went with his strengths. Mm-hmm. And one, one thing he got pretty good at was having pretty good rhythm. Uh, and, and pickiness for playing like open chords mm-hmm. and he made it work and then sure a little bit of piano you get a camera out of that like yep. he's not Liberace but camera's a pretty fucking great song and he, like he, I, I he love picked that. up the mandolin and all of a sudden it's a best song album dun, dun, right? dun, dun, dun. yeah I don't know I, I boy Mitch, Mitch Easter said because I played a show with Mitch Easter <laughs> really yeah one one time uh, I uh, Mitch Easter and his band which included his wife let's active uh, uh, let's active Played a Who show. I saw with, open for REM. Oh, you did mm, back in the day. Yep. Let's active opened for Ken Stringfellow on the tour that he and I did together. What? Uh, in uh, and this was the same tour where you and I met. Yep, Oakland. Let's active opened for us in some kind of Georgia town. Wow. Some weird little Georgia hole in the wall. And they came out and, and you know, Ken loved to introduce me to those, you know, to people like that. Yeah. And so we're all sitting around and, and uh, Mitch Easter said, R.E.M. was the only band I ever worked with where every single person in the band, when they were listening to the mixes, asked if I could turn their part down. That's, that's amazing. 
Isn't that something? Yeah, that makes me so happy to hear. Each one of them was like, could you put me, could you mix me in a little bit? And he's like, that is just not. And I, as he said it, I was like, that's not how you people think, you are. You think Bill Barry gets his props? Because I think he's astonishing. I throw props at him all the time because because all, all you have to know is he left the band and then the records weren't good anymore. Those first few albums, man, like he's coming up with such, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, we're talking about R.E.M. again. But like those three musicians have such different styles. But you kind of can't imagine, there's no other way, there's no like chaos theory that would ever arrive at the chaos theory of R.E.M. because it's so crazy. Like yeah. the beats that Bill Berry comes up with are so weird. And when you watch him play them, they don't sound, you don't hear them go, oh, that's strange. Or you don't think like, oh my God, Mike Mills's bass part on this is really, really odd. I think that. His bass parts are weird sometimes. I love them. I love them so oh, much. me too. Me too. I mean, again, for me, you know me, I'm the first, the, the first three records are my go-to. But like, you know, especially on, I'm going to say, on reckoning like some of that stuff is bananas we're such big fans and you know i talk about them in ways that I, I'm, I'm never sure if if um if they happen to tune into one of these podcasts which i'm not saying they don't yeah they won't um whether they would be whether they would say like mm, i don't like the way he's talking about us uh but i i couldn't love them more but it's just you know when you get to when you get close to uh, you get you get proximate because I wouldn't ever say I was close but I'm proximate to yeah, them yeah well uh, and you and your and where people would compare the Long Winters to other bands much to my and I think your frustration REM was a frequent comparison although I never heard it. Uh, I never heard it, but I, you know, anybody that compared us to REM, I was like, thank you, that's so much better than being compared to. Uh, the guy that did Mr. Jones. Was that I a mean, comparison? Oh, for a little while, some record, some one person made a review in the Salt Lake City alternative paper. It to me, reminded me of like if Ween was to cover Van Morrison. But he, his Mr. band, and what is that band called? It's a Dr. Funkenstein or whatever. What, what are they called? Um, Who's that? Oh, the, the Funk Mr. Doctors. Jones. Mr. Mr. Jones. Band. Mr. Jones. That's I know this. Is that Counting Crows? Mm, no. No. Count, uh, is it? Okay, and it's not Jim Blossoms. Mm, no, it's not Jim Blossoms. Is it Counting Crows? It might be Counting, Counting Crows. They Counting Crows does a song that I like. Did Counting I tell you this? Did I tell you discovered a Counting Crows song that I like? No. <gasps> it's it, it was years after it came out. I heard it on the radio. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And it it's was believable. It was really good. Yeah, it is Counting Crows. Counting and, Crows. And I think Counting Crows has who is some... Not, who is not Hootie and the Blowfish. That's a different band. Counting Crows has some very redeeming features, I yeah. think. I think that they are imaginative, and I think that they have good song, songs. Angel, Angels of the Silences. Is that a song that you have ever heard? Angel of the Morning? Angels, Angel, Angels of the Silences. Ah, uh, no. I don't. I mean, if I heard it, I might know it. 1996. Now, is that the year that, uh, that year, is that the one that existed or didn't exist? Uh, no, that's the one right before the one that didn't exist. And right. I think 96 was pretty early it's in counting On Crow's the bubble, history. almost not existing in 96, I think. I mean, some stuff happened, but it's not quite as, like, null as 97. But mm -hmm. now, when do you get, uh, when do you get the, uh, the, uh, the color and the shape? That's in the year that didn't exist, right? Color and the Shape. That's a good album. It's pretty existed. 
Yeah, that's a Did good you album. know the other night, I don't know why this happened, but uh, I went down an internet rabbit hole, as you do, and mm. I came out, I came out all the way across my lawn. Um, I went down like a rabbit hole that was next to my fireplace, and all of a sudden, inexplicably, I'm out in my lawn, and it's not clear how I got there. And you got no monk hole. But where I was, was in, um, in uh, Joy Division. Mm. And then, of course, as you do when you when you're in Joy Division, I know this. You, I already know this rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, you end up in New Order. Yep. And then I watched. And at a certain point, you stop. <laughs> and then I watched every New Order video. Oh God, I love New Order so much. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> New Order has always been a very complicated listen for me. Um, one because uh, the singing is bad. Hmm. It it just is. It's just inarguably bad. It's a little thin. It's not in tune, hmm. uh, which is a thing that is fine hmm. in the context of New Order because it works somehow. You know what I mean? Like you go, yeah. that wasn't in tune, but it's so New Order that it doesn't matter. You kind of with, with that kind of a mopey vocal, it kind of yeah. works. Yeah, it kind of works. It's like, oh yeah, he doesn't need to be in tune. I mean, Morrissey only uses three notes. What does uh, our friend like uh, say? He always sings the third. He always thinks the third. Yeah. Who is that? Was that Chet? Not Chad. Um, it, was, it was Chet Atkins. Chet, <laughs> the country gentleman, we call him. Yeah. That's Remember the problem that with Morris. He's, he only ever sings the third. <laughs> Remember that time that we were all sitting around in Bakersfield? But, uh, Ladies but, and gentlemen, Mr. Buck Owens. I, uh... <laughs> you ever go down to Buck Buck Owens hole? You ever get into that? You ever go down the Buckaroos? I watched so many We've had this. I'm sorry. I'm just repeating fucking yeah. conversations from years ago. Yeah, you must have gone down the Don Rich rabbit hole at some yep. point. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh Holy yeah. shit, that guy. What a, what a, you know, you know, Buck Owens, his heart was broken for years after, uh, after he died. I'll tell you what, so was mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever gone down? Have you ever gone down a Barrett Martin rabbit hole? Don't Barrett, know Barrett Martin rabbit so hole. So Barrett Martin is actually I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna step way out, and I know that people sometimes roll their eyes at, at, at just like my mom does at the uh, at the sort of celebrity like not celebrity but like grunge rock era celebrity name dropping that I sometimes do on this program. Yeah. Uh, but Barrett Martin, I'm going to jump all the way out there and say he's actually a friend of mine. Mm. He's not just somebody that I know. Barrett Martin. Barrett Martin. And mm-hmm. Barrett Martin has played in the following bands. And it's otherwise known as Green and Barrett. Green and Barrett. Mm. Uh, Gar- Bar- Barrett? Barrett Bar- Martin? Barrett Martin uh, was in Screaming Trees. Oh, in the screen. I, he was I, in don't, our, I don't know them very well. Oh, look at him. He's a handsome guy. Yeah, he was in Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, no, I, I like that band. He was the drummer of Mad Season. He was in Skin Yard Ooh, and Tuatara. He's the Tuatara. non-Dave Grohl drummer in that band? No, no. But he, So he's a guy that is such a good drummer that every one of these bands at a certain point, I mean, he, you know, like, every one of these bands at a certain point was like, we need a good drummer. Let's get, not not like two, right. like sometimes he's just playing like the you other You can't get drums. Matt Chamberlain, you get a Barrett Martin. And he's like he was the he was the drummer of Mad Season, um, and uh, he was in Skin Yard. But you know, Jason Finn was in Skin Yard. Is that right? Does he have a tattoo of it? Uh, He only has the one tattoo, as far as I know. Okay. Uh, He, uh, you know, he he played um, Screaming Trees, Walking Papers, Tuatara. Was that with Scott McCoy in that? Uh, Peter Buck and Scott McCoy, I think. God damn it, these the guys are confusing. Yeah, they're all together. They're all Jesus mobbed up. Jesus Christ, it's like a, it's like a rat king. Yeah. <sighs> uh, 
and I think, to a tar. I think some of that was maybe session work. He's a very good drummer. Now the minus five is that is that the thing that Robin Hitchcock and Bob Pollard did? You know, technically, I'm in the minus five. Is that right? Yeah, because uh, because Scott McCoy always said, if you've ever played, if you've ever been in the minus five, then you are still in the minus five, which I thought was a That's very... like being a Marine. Yeah, that's right. There's no you such don't thing think... as, a, as, a, as a retired as an uh, minus five. Yeah. So he said, you know, he says that pretty regularly, which is it's typical of Scott McCoy's generosity. Oh. And so that enables me because there are a lot of people who have been on stage with the minus five. Do you, do you, you get know? like like uh, discounts and, and stuff like that? Like when uh, you go places, you can you show your card. No, because it's a thing where it's one thing for me to be in a bar in Brooklyn and say I'm in the minus five, mm-hmm. and it's another thing for me to walk up to Peter Buck and say, well, as you know, I'm in a band with you in the minus five. <laughs> as you know, Bob. <laughs> um, you know uh-huh. that's that's a little bit uh that's you know there are a lot a lot of people that have that have played in the minus five and you don't want to you don't want to just you don't want to play that card too often you mm. know what i'm saying hmm. you want to underplay that you want to mm. underplay that card okay because you know i've so never it's, it's like the afghanistan card you don't want to pull it out all the time yeah right i mean if i if i'm sitting in a hotel lobby with mark eitzel hmm I'll say, oh, yeah, you and I are both in the minus five, and Mark Eitzel will have to deal with it. Mm. But you just got to sit with that. Yeah, but I've never met Jeff Tweedy, mm-hmm. which seems surprising, but I never have. Hmm. But he if seems I, like a good sport. Yeah, he does. But if I rolled up on Jeff Tweedy, I, you know, that actually might be my intro with him, too. Like, you oh, would you know, flip him a minus five challenge coin. I might be like, you and I are in a band together, and he's like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, we're both in the minus five. And he seems like the type of guy that would get that. Yeah. Yeah. He's on, he's, uh, he's made appearances on, uh, on, on TV shows that I like, and he seems like a very good sport. Yeah, he does. When I, when I saw that movie, I, I, that was the at Will, a bad Wilco, time in my, the Wilco movie. Yeah, that was a bad time in my life, and I walked out of that theater with the with the with a uh, like a the taste of batteries in my mouth. Ooh, dear. Uh, but since then, I feel like I have uh, <laughs> I've come back around, and everybody yeah. I know, you know, Hodgman is close with those guys somehow, and uh, and everybody says he's 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 astonishing. So what can I say? Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh, you are in a band together. Yeah, right, sure. I mean, you can't hate anybody that's been in the minus five, except for Colin Malloy. And I don't eat. Come on. I'm kidding. I'm There's kidding. an episode of Parks and Recreation. Um, all you really need to know about it is that uh, it features a concert, and that concert uh, includes appearances by Yola Tango. Uh, well, they're in disguise as a different band, but Yola Tango and the Decemberists and a band featuring Jeff Tweedy. Now, do you know anybody in Yola Tango? No. I met them outside an elevator at South by Southwest, and they were very gracious. Uh, were you at South by Southwest doing a tech talk? <laughs> no. Oh, you're so mad at me. I didn't no. mean to be. I didn't mean to make you mad. Uh, no. Oh, I ain't mad at you. Oh, okay. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> Player. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. I just, uh, I just got an issue. I was. Uh, why was I there? I've done two things at South by Southwest, I think. Uh, and they're only nominally tech related, but uh, I was at the, I was at my hotel, and I mean you know here's the thing. I, above all, I am a fan. Unlike you, I am a fan. Mm-hmm. I, I am 
I know you are. I develop very, very strong, almost creepy feelings about certain bands. And one of those is Yellow Tango. Mm-hmm. We're like, and are you ready for this? My introduction to Yellow Tango was Fake Book. A weird first record. A guy that I was in a band with gave me a cassette. He's like, you should check this out. And I was like, oh my God, this band's incredible. It sounded absolutely nothing like what Yellow Tango actually... It was just covers, acoustic covers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, doesn't really matter. But uh, Ira and Georgia were waiting for the same elevator, and I was like, uh, "There just, they are." No, and I did my usual. I think I think I said, uh, "I just really enjoy your work. Thank you for doing what you do." Yeah, I didn't you do, follow. You do them. say that. No, then, then you make sure not to get in the elevator with them. Yeah, then you pull your wallet out and say, uh, "Hello, hello." <laughs> I literally can't hear anything can, you're saying. Can, can you hear me now? <laughs> <laughs> That's not my line. Yeah, no. Uh, <clears throat> That was, uh, I remember you, I mean, you are one of a, a small handful of people who have put Yola Tango in front of me. You, I've sat down at the dinner table. I've tucked into the table. I've put my It's a slow burn. It's, a, it's, at, not, it's, not, a, it's not a same day inter, enterprise to get into Yola Tango. Yeah. Then you put the plate down and there's Yola Tango on it. And I go, yeah. ah. <sighs> and uh, Dave Bazan is another one with the Yola Tango. Eat and, your vegetables, John. Uh, I have never had a bad experience with Yola Tango. No. Uh, but as you know, I just sort of like uh, not, uh, not uh, I have consumed them quite a bit and I have enjoyed them quite a bit. But it I've helps never... to have been there. If you're yeah. there when it happened, it's different. I mean, like you and all these Screaming Trees type bands, like when you were there, like that's a different kind of thing. And I never, that's the thing. I never played with them. I never stood on the side of the stage and and absorbed it from that standpoint. And that's usually how I get to be close with them. Oh, they do a good the live show. They do a very good live show. I saw them with, uh, I want to say with Lamb Chop, at one of those terrible shows at Great American where you have to sit at a table. I've spent a lot of time with Lamb Chop. That's a hell of a band. Yeah, we we, uh, played a lot of shows. uh, Again, adjacent. Is there anybody else that you'd like to mention that you've met? Boy, so many people. Let me think. I mean, you know, really, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a headliner. Who? Nothing. What? Uh, I met Jeffrey Jones. Is that the guy that killed all those people mm-hmm. with the TV party tonight? That's right. TV, TV party. <laughs> TV party tonight. TV party all mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Institutionalized. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Uh, yeah, I met a lot of people. I met John Roderick. Yeah, I remember. I was there. Yeah. I read the Scott Miller book. There's a book about Scott Miller. I read that. I'm I'm afraid that I, uh, you know, I used to be I used to be a lot more reticent about just sitting uh, on this program and just throwing names around. Really, but I but I feel Seems like, like we, you've always been pretty comfortable with it. <laughs> it feels like though lately. What about what about uh, John Wesley Harding? You ever met him? Uh, it feels like lately we've been doing it more, and I don't. I feel like it's coming from me, and I don't know what. I don't, John, not sure everything what, what, that's in the show is in the show. That's always been. true. Why can't people just understand that if stuff comes up, you know what? It comes up. It comes up, and then it's in the show that's how you know it's in the show is it's part of the show yeah nobody ever called pablo picasso an asshole that's right not not I, me I, no i think that it's a john cale it's a john cale song right john cale john cale he does that song you know that song that song paris do you know that song yeah the one that goes come on come on come on now touch me baby as you see that i'm not afraid Rayman Zarek, Rayman Zarek, he uh, he produced uh, he produced uh, uh, X, and I, I I've met John Doe. I've spent a little time with John Doe. Isn't he a nice man? Is there anybody, who else? Who, are we missing anybody? Such who a nice else? Man. Who else have we met? John um, Doe, very handsome, very handsome, very handsome, and he's always very nice to my daughter when we see him. He's a sweet, sweet, sweet he's man. A, no, Pablo Picasso man. was a Jonathan Richmond song. I think it's a cover of a John Cale song. It was produced by John Cale. Pablo 
You ever go back to Jonathan Richmond? You ever go back to the Modern Lovers? I do. It kind of, I, I keep thinking it. Uh, um, the, the next time I listen to it is going to be the time I'm not that into it. But I'm frequently surprised by by how much I I still really enjoy his not. His, I mean, I still like his jokey stuff. But like something like Hospital, like that's still a really good song. So many good songs and so many good like tones. Mm-hmm. Um, like the tones are never what you expect. And, and I, I, what was it? I was uh, I was listening to the other day where the thing that uh, that always astonishes me about tones is when a clean guitar fulfills the function of a distorted guitar. It's not just a neutered rock and roll guitar. No, it's like a hot, cool, mm? treble kicking. Mm? Uh, it's still got, but it's still got thump to it without needing to be distorted. And it comes in. <laughs> In a track and goes like Kerrang, but it bumps the song up just as it just I mean, comes I, in. And it's like let me just get this th- straightened out and just comes right fucking straight down the center of the room. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I know my, exactly what you mean. My instinct would always to be to be, and I think it's an incorrect instinct would be to put a bunch of like <laughs> on it, a bunch of sort of overdrive distorto you can have a loud guitar that is not distorted and yes. a lot of people i think either don't know that or they forget that and they think that that you it's got to have the distortion you can have a very loud very clear guitar sound that could just knock somebody right in the chest and it's very compelling so you get to the end of i'm straight mm-hmm. i'm straight, straight. Want... Ding, ding 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 and that guitar is just clean as shit Hippie Johnny. But it it lifts the tune so much, and you're like, ah, hooray! And every tone on it, I just, I, I, every tone just feels so good. It just feels so good. Real-time follow-up, you are correct. According to Wikipedia, which is never wrong, Pablo Picasso has a song written by Jonathan Richmond, Deedly Deedly Dee, you're right, produced by John Keown. Now, here's the thing, and this is what tripped me up. This is what trips me up. So that was recorded in 72, released in 76. John Cale did cover the Jonathan Richmond song, Pablo Picasso, and uh, released on his Helen of Troy album, 1975, Turns uh, Out. Oh, so the original recording was by Cale, because it didn't come out by Richmond until much later. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. I've never met John Cale. No, me either. I've never met Jonathan Richmond, but he played at a Bumbershoot not very long ago. And uh, I've seen him a couple of times now, and I've always... I've introduced myself to him many times, um, yeah. and uh, he's a very, very interesting person. He loves talking about uh, buses. Oh, I love talking about buses. You should talk to him. Oh, look at him. He looks great. He's 65, and he looks terrific. He's a terrific-looking guy, I think. He's, the, still, he's still wearing the striped shirts. God, I love this guy. The famous story about him making his uh, drummer play with rolled-up newspapers at an old folks' home mm-hmm. is one that I that I cannot ever... I cannot forget that story mm. because it makes me feel like maybe I should have been more crazy with my bandmates instead of instead of always wondering whether I should have been less crazy with them. You're, you've made a lot of irrational demands of the people in your life, but they're yeah. all irrational within normal parameters. Yeah. Have you ever thought about maybe getting getting out beyond that? You might want to get the band back together just to see how you could fuck with them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, why like, did nobody I... play any Fs tonight? I remember, yeah, no symbols, which was a, another like great like no symbols says P, uh, says uh, Peter Gabriel and and uh, is that right? No symbols, no symbols. There's one of those Peter Gabriel albums that has no symbols. Put that put that into your thought 
machine for a second. Mm. He he said, you know He's what? Up on are, Salisbury Hill, he says, "I'll show that. I'll show that Phil Collins." Yeah, there are no symbols allowed. <laughs> there, no. no, no, no jacket required. I fucked it up. God no damn it! Allowed. Let's roll it. Let's roll through it again. More like no symbols required. Am I right? No symbols on, on deck. No symbolism. Rambo. I, I've never met Rambo. I feel like, no, he was dead before we came along. But I yep. feel like there was, there's enough problems, you know? Mm-hmm. But, for, but for Peter Gabriel, there, the, one of the problems was too many symbols. <sighs> and his answer was no symbols. Which that's extreme. Is, that's extreme. I could do with fewer symbols. I think I, I would like. Here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to do a Donald Trump here from now on. Every time you, uh, you, you. How about this? I want twice as much floor tom and half as much symbol. That's I that's think, what I'm going to. I'm going to make it even harder. I'm going to give you an algebra problem. Yeah. I'd like to hear a lot more floor tom. Here's what I'm going to say. Take the floor tom and the symbols away. Here's what you got: kick Ooh. drum, snare. Okay. That's the it. End. Are you allowed to sit down? Yeah. We can okay. sit. Kick drum snare. They call That's it thrown. Go for it. Go for it, Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. He'd he'd kill it. He oh, would he kill would. It. He would. You know, I've come around a little bit on him. I don't think there's a. I I don't think you can hate on Phil Collins, even though you absolutely can hate on some of his choices. Well, I think also my gut is that like Jeff Tweedy, I I think he's probably a stand up dude. Yeah. I heard him on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. Was it Wait Wait Don't Tell Me? I heard him on some uh, NPR show, and he sounded uh, sounded totally charming. Yeah, he might be a bastard yeah. in addition to being totally charming, but that's never stopped us from liking somebody. Life is hard on people, John. It's complicated. He never should have covered You Can't Hurry Love. I just wish he hadn't done that. I wish that what he had What about Illegal not... Alien? I mean, that definitely falls into the category of problematic. Problematic. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the time... Yeah, sure. It was also <clears throat> awful, but... But there it was, you know, like, I don't, the, the whole, here's the, here's a question for you. Here's the thing about Phil Collins. How is it that Peter Gabriel, for all of his uh, eccentricity, never made a novelty song, but like Phil Collins made a half a dozen novelty songs. Oh, interesting. And... Like the the biggest Dire Straits hit, clearly a novelty song. Yeah, right. Like yeah. a lot in the eighties, a lot of novelty music was right up there on the charts. But Peter Gabriel, for all of his like, sledgehammer, like it's not a novelty song somehow. Right. Like everybody ever did a topical song, like something about the Ayatollah or something. Yeah, like. <laughs> on the evening news, uh, he never said smugglers blues. <laughs> on the evening news, yeah, he he uh, can't like, believe what I'm seeing. <laughs> Saddam Hussein's in a spider hole. <coughs> Support our troops, yeah, and we we'll love them all. I mean, even shock the. I mean, shock the monkey is one of the darkest fucking songs that ever was. Mm-hmm. Um. Somehow, game, game, games without frontiers. He he's got a lot of issues, but uh, you know it's not like uh, Roy Wood doing Christmas songs. No, and it's not like ball of confusion. Bah, 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 bah. That's what the world is today. Hey hey, no, no, 
That's, no. No, that's <clears throat> not... You can't do that. Music novelty songs, though. I don't know. I guess I think more of like, uh, you know, Winchester Cathedral or something like mm-hmm. that. I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think of it being like a, like a bit, like uh, Snoopy and the Red Baron or something. That, that's not a great song. Uh, right. The Re- <laughs> Snoopy and the Red Baron is a great song. It was, it was right up there on the charts. But what would mm-hmm. you say... 80 men tried, 80 men died. W- that's right. Would you say that Sugar Sugar was a novelty song? Ooh. Boy, it bumps right up against it, doesn't it? Mm, but bum, bum, it's bum, a, bum, such bum, a great bum. song. That's the question. Like, like uh, when when bands do a like an idiomatic song, mm-hmm. like when Billy Joel does like like doo wop. It's not novelty. <laughs> I'm going to bring you around. I'm going to bring you around on Billy Joel so hard. <laughs> In the Sunset Grill. No, when, <laughs> the politics when, of contraband. <laughs> when when Billy Joel does doo-wop, it's not novelty because it's mm. so in Billy Joel. Like it's it's more novelty when Billy Joel isn't doing doo-wop. What about uh how about this one? Uh what's uh, how do you pronounce this? Jamaica. Uh, I, is that a novelty song? They change it enough, and but I mean the name the name is bad. That's a pun. But they change it, yeah. And you should never name a song with a pun. Well, also as I I I'll often counsel my kids, until you really know what you're doing, never make more than one joke at a time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, Jamaica, and the joke is that it's kind of like a slightly reggae-ish. Well, what, how will people know this song? Oh, oh, yeah, Led Zeppelin song. Oh, oh. When I read the news that it told me and made me sad, sad, sad. Look at you. That's so good. What? I never heard of him. What? I feel like, okay, let me let, let me ask you this. Yes. When the Hollies did Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress. Oh, yeah. Is that, mm. because that's not their normal sound. Absolutely. I'll, 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 I'll see you and raise you. What about a He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother? That's not one. I mean, that's it's fine, but yeah. like to me, the stuff that nobody knows anymore today. I mean, you get stuff like what? Obviously, like Bus Stop, Carrie Ann, mm-hmm. like any of the like truly classic like Holly stuff. But, and, but also, how do you do Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress don't, and don't, The don't, Air That I Breathe? Oh, The Air That I Breathe. All I need is the yeah. air. I mean, that's into your cocaine rock. That's so cocainey. But Long Cool Woman, it's like such a great rock song, but you want it to be... Should be it sounds like it should be like a CCR song or something. Yeah, exactly. It's like in a style that that, uh, that should be some, by somebody else, right? It's like... Yeah. Um, the Air That I Breathe should be a song by... Uh, what was... Who's the... the uh, I'm going to say Bread. Bread! Is that who you're thinking of? No. America? Mm, ah, you might be thinking is, of America or Bread. You, you know how I feel about America. I don't. I don't. Uh, I feel like America is so... Like, if you took the lyrics of America... Mm-hmm. Let's say... Let, oh, here we are. We're back in the day. Plants and birds and rocks and things. A bear, America are still in Europe. They're the two friends that met at, at the American school in Paris or whatever. However, the, whatever their foundation story is, which is something like that, right? They really? met in. There were two Americans who were were they rich kids they were they they were they met in europe okay and they were it was some kind of thing where they were in prep school or some there was some reason they were both in europe and they met there and then but they were americans and they wrote these songs that sounded like los angeles Mm -hmm. 
Anyway, if, if I could especially, go back... Especially a certain Canadian that was living in Los Angeles. <laughs> Jesus right. Christ. If you could go back, if you could take me back to them and say, uh, you guys, hey, uh, songs sound great. Let me let me uh, take a look at those uh, spiral-bound notebooks. Let me just go over these lyrics with you for a second. Right, right, right. And right. If let, you let's, just, just do, let's just do a quick second pass on these. Yeah, if you could just... if you. Put me there and give me those uh, notebooks and just let me comb through them and just take out the alligator lizards in the air, in the air. Just let me just change that. Mm -hmm. Same melody, same like in the air hook, but just let me take alligator lizards out Hmm. and replace it with something else that has other words. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to change anything except uh, put other words in. And every one of their songs has a moment like that where you're like, I'm listening to this. I'm going through the desert on a horse with no name. Yeah. It's so good to get out of the, the rain. The first thing I met was a fly with a buzz and the sky with no clouds. The heat was hot and the ground was dry, mm-hmm. but the air was full of sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me just take one pass at that. Yeah. Right? Just give me one pass. You go get a coffee and come back, and yeah. I'm, I'm just going to wordsmith this a little bit. You, as you know say. what? You're not even going to notice. <clears throat> Ventura Highway in the No, it's still going to make no fucking shine. sense, but it's going to make no sense in a way that's more amusing. Yeah. When the days are longer and the nights are stronger than moonshine. Mm. Let me just, I just, just get in there just one time. Just comb through it. If you really walk through the metaphors, the analogy, I mean, if you really walk through it, what do you come up with? Because you don't really go anywhere with these. Right. They're just, it's like saying, oh, she was as beautiful as a pile of paper. Where you'd be like, okay, that's, I guess that's a metaphor, but like, what? Like, it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, she was as beautiful as a pile of paper. <laughs> la, la, la. It's exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, you know, America, you can use that. And I and I feel like they really uh, their songs are really good. I I I'll fight anybody. <clears throat> I'll fight anybody that says Sister Golden Hair isn't a great oh, tune. That's a good tune. But you can't give me a bunch of uh you, I will not stand there and defend the lyrics of Sister Golden Hair. Uh, at all, I would I would agree with you. I, if it was just if it was just the lyrics, I would I would I would say uh, I'm definitely I'm not going to fight they you. They got the also, rhythm and the song. Now, do drink. you remember their comeback? You remember you can do magic. You can do magic. magic. Yeah. Wait a minute, that's America. I think that's their big comeback, circa eighty two, eighty three. No, what? Yeah, you know darn well. Oh, I know the tune. I just didn't realize it was America. That's America. When you cast your spell. You will get your way when you hypnotize with your eyes. A heart of stone can turn to clay. Doot, doot, doot. Mm. (laughs) A heart of stone can turn to clay. And if that happened metaphorically, what would that mean? mm -hmm. It it means you're going to need to see a fucking cardiologist really soon. Mm. Clay heart. So Sister Golden Hair, the reason I reference it is Mm -hmm. that it is a song that gets so close. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, like first the and I just I looked it up here so I can quote it. Okay, here we go. Well, I tried to make it Sunday, but I got so damn depressed that I set my sights on Monday and I got myself undressed. I think that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's C plus Dylan right there. Yeah, as a lyricist, I'm going to say like I would I'd let that absolutely go. 
It's got a nice structure to it. It's got the mm-hmm. hmm and then the mm-hmm. hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. He got so damn depressed that he's yeah. decide somebody. I ain't ready for the altar, but I do agree there's times when a woman sure can be a friend of mine. Mm, let's roll that back. All uh, right. Oh, I, and I would take another... I'd take another slice at it, but mm-hmm. it's not a wincer, right? It's a lyric, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there are always going to be lyrics that are like, eh, but it's not too wincy. Oh, here we go into the chorus. Well, I keep on thinking about you, Sister Golden Hair. Surprise. Mm. Eh, the surprise it, it's, there. It's, the, it's got flow, though. It does. But I would just, the surprise could be a lot of things there. Mm-hmm. Because he's setting it up to say, the surprise is only there to set up, and I just can't live without you. Can't you see it in my eyes? Mm, that rhymes. And that's not so bad, but Mm-mm. surprise, you got to wiggle it a little. That doesn't, golden hair surprise, that mm. isn't good enough. Yeah. And here's a, gr- this is a great lyric. I love this lyric. I've been one poor correspondent, and I've been too, too hard to find. A lot of nice vowel sounds there. <whistles> but it doesn't mean. You ain't been, been on, my mind. on my mind. And now all of a sudden, Carl Wilson comes flying in in a jetpack <laughs> for the shitty, <laughs> shitty chorus. <laughs> Will you meet me in the middle? Will you meet me in, in the, the air? air? No! Will you Stop. meet me in the middle? Will you meet me in the air? Will you love me? Just a little. Just enough to show you care. That's yeah, how much you want to be loved. Yeah, just like meeting you in the air. <sighs> Yeah, and so that's where the that's where the record scratches, and you say, "I let you get away with golden hair surprise." Yeah, but you're, that, you're was, not, that was your mulligan, America. Yeah, you're not hearing, you're not meeting her in the air. Mm-mm. That's not where you meet people. I bet I, you see. I, I look at that though, and I go, "I bet the original lyric was, will you meet me in the middle? Will you meet me in the end?'" I bet that was the original because that's what it wants to be. It wants to be, "Will you meet me in the middle? Oh will you meet God, me?" Oh my God, Merlin, you're absolutely right. That's what it should be. And Will you love prob- me just a little? Just, just enough, enough to make me bend? Or just enough to not pretend? Oh! God, you're saving careers, Will my friend. Will you meet me in the middle? Will, Will you, you meet me in the end? end? Will you love me, me just a little? little. We're just doing a poor job of just enough to not pretend. Or we whatever. haven't had a Skype jam in a while. And so, so there it is, you know, and that is the song of their catalog that has the best lyrics. It, it's, the, it's the best jumping off point. Mm-hmm. And we just saw this, the this problem, is their lonesome death of Hattie Carroll. Really, just, really just, just line after line of mm, magnifique. Well, you know, the, you know the great story of the Neil Young song. We all, we all think it says, uh, we all think it says uh, uh, the long enough to repaint but old enough to sell. Or whatever. What's the fucking Let's see. Oh, oh, are you talking about uh, the? Yeah, yeah. The. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Now I got. No, I forgot. Uh, uh, old enough to repay, but young enough to sell. Yeah, that's right. That's the lyric. Yeah. Um, and what it turns out. Oh turns God, out, I love that song. Yeah, but turns out the turns actual out. lyric is not old enough to repaint, which is the greatest lyric. But old enough to repay. I always heard repay. Oh, you did? Repaint this would be better. It's such a good line. Old enough to repaint and young enough to sell. Mm. Boom! You just wrote the greatest lyric of all time. <sighs> but he wrote old enough to repay and young enough to sell, which is like, mm. okay, yeah. all right. It's, it's complicated, uh, maybe unnecessarily so, but that's not what you, that's not, uh, it's just so much not as good. And you almost wish that the first time somebody said, oh, that's nice, old enough to repaint, that he just 
And this isn't something Neil Young would ever do. Mm-mm. But if he just sat there for a second and nodded and said, yeah, thanks, and then immediately set about re like crossing off repay and writing repaint on everything and just hope nobody ever noticed. He's got the resources. He could put it out at a high bit rate. He could well, do I, it. But I feel like he probably heard that. He probably heard that within a week of writing it. And I, I think that I think I've read a thing where he said, You're right, that is a better lyric. I Stipe has done this. And he, Stipe has famously changed lyrics because he liked other people's versions better. And that's what I'm saying. Like he heard it, he agreed it was better, but then he did that Neil Young, like he just chuckled and said, Oh well. Anyway, no. moving, moving on to the next song. <laughs> he gave him an African no. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, yeah, he, felt, he said, like, ah, kids are boring. <laughs> I'm not going to Paris. Stupid babies. Hi, thee to Senegal. This is too fucking long. we got to 